Welcome to this edition of Amazing Creation. I'm your host, Fred Johnson. This show is about the credibility of the scriptures as they pertain to the creation of the world and our origins, and in contrast to the dogma of evolution. The show is produced by the Triangle Association for the Science of Creation. That's shortened to TASC, T-A-S-C, a Raleigh, North Carolina group of scientists and lay folks whose mission is to increase awareness of the scientific evidence supporting the plain, straightforward understanding of the biblical account of creation. Evolution is almost universally now taught in our public schools, colleges, and universities as the origin of all of life we see around us. But there are many, including highly educated scientists, who see evolution not only as impossible, but moreover as untenable when made to stand beside the revealed Word of God in the Bible. Our topic for today is the first of a two-part series entitled Sherlock Holmes and the Mystery of the Soft Dinosaur Tissue. We'll be speaking with Dr. Jeff Gift. Dr. Gift has a PhD in chemistry and is a toxicologist by trade. I've known Dr. Gift for over 15 years since he teamed up with us at TASC, and I've always been inspired by Jeff's observations on current scientific findings as they relate to our origins. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Fred. It's good to be here. The last time you were with us, you talked about how your eyes have been opened to viewing scientific information from a biblical perspective. I mentioned the articles you have written for our task newsletter about scientists who have found soft tissue and remnants of red blood cells in dinosaur bones. Given the title of our topic today, I know we'll be talking about those findings, but I'm curious as to what Detective Holmes brings to us on this topic. Well, Fred, as you're aware, Dr. Mary Schweitzer, professor at North Carolina State University, and uh, some colleagues of hers have authored several publications since the early 1990s on soft tissue that they've observed in dinosaur fossils. Dr. Schweitzer, by the way, is the protege of renowned paleontologist Jack Horner. Uh, he was a technical consultant for the series of Jurassic Park dinosaur movies. This tissue, which includes proteins, red blood vessels, and remnants of red blood cells and fragments of DNA, is from fossils believed to be around 70 million years old. Other researchers have begun to follow her lead, breaking open bones previously thought to be void of organic material, and now dozens of similar finds in dinosaur fossils alleged to be even older have been documented in the published literature. In 2013, Nature magazine reported on organic remains in dinosaur bones believed to be from the early Jurassic period, 190 million years ago. More recently, in 2014, soft tissue and embryos have been found in 46 virtually complete ichthyosaur fossils believed to be nearly 150 million years old. In addition, scientists have measured significant levels of carbon-14 in dinosaur fossils. Interested listeners can read about some of these carbon-14 findings in the November 2013 TASC newsletter article by Joe Spears. The mystery in all this, at least for scientists who believe that these fossils are tens or hundreds of millions of years old, stems from the long-held belief that organic materials would degrade within a thousand or so years, and, and the well-known scientific fact that 
all measurable carbon-14 should have decayed from the fossils within approximately 50,000 years. To coin a phrase, never in a million years would anyone have thought that dinosaur tissue could, that could last tens of millions of years or that it could still contain measurable levels of carbon-14. So Sherlock Holmes, the fabulous detective in Arthur Doyle's mystery novels, had a tried-and-true way of sorting through problems that have been... Uh, that have many possible solutions. It involves first uncluttering things by discarding all the distracting solutions that are ultimately impossible. And in his words, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. So using this logic, what would Sherlock Holmes do to solve this mystery? First, I believe he would create a hypothesis for all the possible solutions that he could imagine, starting with the simplest of solutions. That's called Occam's razor, a principle of parsimony, economy or succinctness used in problem solving. Then, using the scientific method, he would narrow down the possible solutions by excluding those that are not scientifically feasible. Finally, he would focus his research on whatever remains, no matter how improbable it may seem. Jeff, what would Sherlock Holmes think of the approach taken by researchers so far to solve the dinosaur tissue mystery? I think he would ask whether all possible solutions have been considered and tested so far. In particular, he'd ask whether the simplest of solutions had been tested. So far, nearly all the research in this area has been based on one overriding hypothesis— that the dinosaur tissue is tens or hundreds of millions of years old. In doing so, they've embraced a previously unthinkable hypothesis and ignored the simpler hypothesis for why dinosaur bones could contain soft tissue and measurable amounts of carbon-14. The simpler hypothesis is that they are not tens or hundreds of millions of years old, but closer to thousands of years old. Not only as ignoring the simpler hypothesis contradict Occam's razor, but not challenging the less likely hypothesis that proteins in carbon-14 can last tens of millions of years, but that violates the scientific method. The scientific method seeks to let reality speak for itself. Supporting a theory when a theory's predictions are confirmed and challenging a theory when its predictions prove false. The absence of organic material in carbon-14 are long-standing and important predictions of the tens of millions of year old hypothesis that have now been shown to be false, or at least in serious doubt. Hence, the hypothesis that these dinosaur tissues are tens of millions of years old needs to be challenged. Why do you think Dr. Schweitzer and other scientists have not challenged the tens of millions of years hypothesis by testing the simpler hypothesis that the dinosaur tissue is not as old as originally thought? Dr. Schweitzer and others have stated their firm belief that the fossils are tens of millions of years old and that they will entertain no other hypothesis. This does not really surprise me, given their strength of conviction in this regard, along with peer pressure that they face each day from their evolutionary cohorts, some of whom control the research funding that they may or may not receive. Dr. Schweitzer and Horner have experienced considerable backlash just for publishing data suggesting that they observed soft tissue in 65 million year old fossils. The backlash would be considerably greater if they published results showing the retention of carbon 14 in these tissues.
That concern is illustrated by Dr. Horner's October 13, 2006 interview with Bob Anyard of KLTT Radio in Denver, Colorado. Mr. Anyard offered to pay Dr. Horner's organization $20,000 plus expenses if they would have their T-Rex find tested for carbon-14. Dr. Horner responded first by saying that, and I quote, carbon-14 doesn't work on something that old. Then later he responded by saying that, and I quote again, obviously your group is a group of creationists. The spin they can get off of that, doing it, is not going to help us. And finally, he said, and again I quote, I can't afford to have it turn into a circus. From this, you can see that his concern here is largely about what publishing Carbon-14 results would do to Dr. Horner's reputation and the reputation of his laboratory, and not really about following the evidence where it leads you per Sherlock Holmes' approach in the scientific method. So should creationists just do the test themselves? In the short term, that may be the only solution. However, some organizations with creationist ties who have tried this have had their research swept under the rug, so to speak. Hugh Miller and others authored a paper detailing the results of carb-14 dating of dinosaur fossils, which was presented at the Western Geophysics meeting in Singapore August 2012. They gave carbon-14 dating results from many bone samples from eight dinosaur specimens. All of those samples gave dates ranging from 22,000 to 39,000 years, which are far closer to the dates predicted by creationists. It appears that the researchers approached the matter with considerable professionalism, including taking great pains to eliminate contamination with modern carbon as a source of carbon-14 signal in the bones. The lead presenter was Dr. Thomas Seiler, a German physicist whose PhD is from the Technical University of Munich. A video of his presentation can be seen on YouTube. The researchers have since reported that, and I quote, the abstract was removed from the conference website by two chairmen because they could not accept the findings. Unwilling to challenge the data openly, they erased the report from public view without a word to the authors, end quote. Not exactly behavior that is consistent with Sherlock Holmes's methods or the scientific method. Two of the report's co-authors, Professor Dr. Robert Bennett and Dr. Jean de Ponchara, until recently with the French Atomic Energy Commission's Grenoble Research Center, are urging colleagues to do their own carbon dating of dinosaur bones. They say that the media should be encouraging scientists to do this also presenting the findings openly and honestly at similar conferences. Another report has shown that a mosasaur alleged to be over 100 million years old was carbon-14 dated at about 24,000 years old. This result was blamed on bacterial contamination, though no bacteria was discovered. But at least this latter report was published, largely because it was reported by a secular laboratory. Thus, while creation scientists could do their own testing, it seems far better to convince a secular laboratory to sponsor and publish such testing. Then how do we convince them to sponsor such carbon-14 dating? It won't be easy, Fred. 
Some, like Dr. Schweitzer, seem focused on proving the hypothesis that these soft tissues and proteins can survive for hundreds of millions of years. She's recently published on a hypothesis that perhaps these fragile materials have survived so long because iron from degraded hemoglobin was acting like a preservative, binding them together, much like formaldehyde binds and preserves laboratory tissue samples. Other scientists, like Dr. Horner, have moved on to other agendas. In 2009, during a 60 Minutes interview with Leslie Stahl, Dr. Horner talks about how they plan to attempt to genetically engineer a dinosaur-like chicken. Iron is a preservative. Dinosaur chickens. I'd like to hear what that's all about. But we're about out of time on today's show. Those sound like good lead topics for part two of this mystery series. I look forward to it. Thank you, Dr. Jeff Gift. And thanks to you, listeners, for tuning in. You can find out more about TASC and some good information about the scientific study of the world from the perspective of those who take the scripture seriously at the TASC website, task-creationscience.org. That's T-A-S-C-creationscience.org. There you can learn about TASC's monthly meetings, which are open to the public, subscribe to the monthly newsletter, and read and download previous articles. Until next time, this has been Fred Johnson for Amazing Creation.